1: Well, one of the other mistakable sounds of summer over the years for me has to be that. A third championship point for Nadal to add another page to the history books. Another five-set epic from the two best players in the world. Rafael Nadal wins in Melbourne at the Australian Open for the first time. That was back in 2009. Uh, Rafael Nadal still going, but he won't be at the Australian Open this year. We discussed that briefly yesterday. Uh, Sad news uh, for Australian tennis fans, but for all tennis fans, uh, Rafael Nadal has given us so many great memories. Uh, 2009, just a great illustration. Not only that five-set epic, against uh, Roger Federer in the final. That was a hell of a match point now, wasn't it? Uh, but he also um, had an extraordinary ride on the way there. I remember the game against Vadasco that I think went over five hours. Uh, lots of tennis to discuss. Uh, Alex uh, Kriskin joins us now, Editor-in-Chief at Crack Rackets. He's kind enough to spend some time with us. Uh, welcome to the show, Alex. I trust that the start of 2024 has been a good one.
0: It is a pleasure to be here. I will say I'm extraordinarily jealous of people who are still on holiday. Shout out to them. Their life is going so well, (laughs) and I hope to be one of those people someday. For the meantime, I will be more than happy to speak with you. It's always great to be here.
1: So where are you at the moment? Uh, And I'm guessing
0: your time zones are completely out of whack as you follow all the fine tennis players whacking tennis balls at the moment. I am in the United States. I always like to tell my parents the month of January, I'm nocturnal. So if there's the sun outside, I'm typically not awake. Obviously, nighttime here is when we get to enjoy all of the tennis. I'll tell you what, it's been worth it so far. It's been exceptional action through the first week. But yeah, the sleep schedule gets a little bit wonky this time of year. Oh, brilliant stuff.
1: And and Ruffendale's been a big part of that, right? He's kept you up to Mm -hmm. all hours with some of those epic battles at the Aussie Open. Incredible career. We don't need to litigate that, but you know, it's disappointing. If this is his last season, if I always have to, you know, caveat that with, with the if, because this is, you know, the robot we're talking about is, you know, one of the greatest <laughs> of all time. If it, it's a sad way for him to go out in Australia, isn't it? Australian crowds love him. He's performed so well. Really, do athletes get a fairy tale ending? But it seems pretty
0: harsh that he can't even compete. No, it's horrible, and I think no one is more disappointed about it than Rafael Nadal, who wants to be out on court. He's worked so hard to come back over the last year and looked pretty darn good through his first two matches. Now, obviously, in that third one, he tweaked something that caused the strain that ultimately has him withdrawing, but... This speaks to Rafael Nadal as an athlete. I think what everyone's always enjoyed so much about him is the fact that he has one speed. It's 110% (laughs) Rafael Nadal at all times. And if he can't perform at that level, he doesn't want to go out there on court because he doesn't want to give the fans, he doesn't want to give himself anything less than everything he has. And I do think the reason he pulled out of this event is to try and preserve the rest of this season. It sounds like this is more precautionary than something that will keep him out for the remainder of the year, but certainly a bummer that we don't get him at the year's starting major. Rafael Nadal and hip.
1: when you hear those two uh, mentioned together in the same sentence, you you have to take pause, don't you, and take a deep breath. It's been an ongoing issue.
0: Yeah, it's been the biggest issue in his career. Again, someone who plays with so much passion, so much energy. He's pushed the human body to its limits. And obviously at this stage of his career, 37 years old, which is a crazy number to say out loud because he still acts and gives effort like he's 22. Like he can go out there, die, bruise himself up and recover the next day. And sadly, I just that hasn't been the case
1: playing full noise
0: and, you know, from like, like he was back in the day
1: when he wore those horrendous three quarter shorts, like uh, they, shorts <laughs> they were like long pants. Remember
0: those? Yeah. Oh, I have a theory that the way Rafael Nadal wins his, la- I'm glad you bring this up because this is a yeah. subject near and dear to my heart. I think his final major, not only should he bring those capris as we call them here back, Ooh. but he should also shave his head. Like, that's the missing piece. It's time for the hair to go. It's it's obviously in full retreat. Shave the head, bring back the Capris. That's one more major title.
1: And, of course, the Capris can't fit properly, right? They're going to be yeah. a little, bit too, <laughs> the to be a little yeah. bit too tight at the back. They've got to be a little bit too tight at the back.
0: Well, if he's, not, if he's not nudging on the pants, then something's going <laughs> horrible in the match.
1: Alex, t- tell me about your nocturnal activities as you try to keep up with all of it, the- because there's a lot, there's a space of tennis events going on with all sort of, you know, funneling in towards Melbourne and the first star major of the year, the first Grand Slam of the year. So, you know, do, do you dip in and out of all of them? Is, is there one event that has more stars
0: that you, you gather more information out of? Well, I'm glad you ask about my nocturnal activities because that's, let, let me get into the PG-13 version of them. No, my P, my nocturnal activities, sadly or happily, are just watching tennis because it's been so good everywhere. I mean, last week, you had the world number two, Arena Sabalenka, playing the world number three, Elena Rabakina, in the first championship Sunday of the season. And again, we're not even at the Australian Open. That was one match. You had world number one, Iga Swiatek playing United Cup, world number four Coco Gauff, playing a fantastic final in Auckland against Alina Spitalina. Like, just the women's side alone, our top four players in the world were all in action last week. And for tennis fans who have been starved without tennis for a month, just... Talk about a stellar start there on the men's side. A guy like Grigor Dimitrov, his results finally as handsome as his face. He wins his first title in six years, which is just way too long of a gap for someone as skilled as Dimitrov. You have, you know, a guy like Andre Rublev, who's been a top eight player now, what, four consecutive seasons. He wins a title to kick off his year. Djokovic loses to Alex Diemenauer in Australia Again, it's been one week, and uh, you tell me how much time you have. We could do an hour on everything that's unfolded.
1: Okay, so if you were to to rank, say, the top three storylines, then one, two, three, and we'll try Gee, to distill. This is yeah, why. So what's number host? one?
0: That, that- Yeah, that's just a job well done there. That's crystallized beautifully. I would say, more than anything, the top four on the women's side. The fact that Iga, Sabalenka, Rabacana, and Coco all look so good. It's been a while since we've had an established top four, probably since you could point to Serena and anyone else in the women's game. It's been a lot of chaos parity since – I think this year's going to be pretty straightforward. I think we know who the four best players in the world are and they're all very very good. So that would be storyline number 1 for me. Storyline number 2 has to be Djokovic versus the field. He went 27 <laughs> and 1, at, you know, at the majors last year, you know, 27 and 1 and the one match he lost was a five-set thriller at Wimbledon to Alcarez. And you know, again, this guy is 36 years old. You think at some point the clock runs out. He looked vulnerable against an Alex Diemenauer last week, but it doesn't really matter for Novak Djokovic until we get to the majors. And for what it's worth, that was his first loss in Australia in 45 matches. I think his first loss since 2018. So it had been a while since we'd seen that. You expect him to bounce back well. If it's still Djokovic beating everyone, then men's tennis becomes less interesting. But if he were to lose to start the season, you know, that storyline goes to number one. And then number three on the list. Let's get creative here with number three. I I, I think number three has to be who's going to challenge Djokovic. And might it just be Alex Diemenauer, who last season, top five in hardcourt wins on the ATP tour. He had his best year. On the pro circuit. And one of the things I always like to joke about, he's the oldest 24 year old in the world, in the sense that <laughs> he's been a part of our lives for six years now, right? You feel like you know that story. At the yeah. same time, he's 24. Like, what were you? I, I can't tell you. My nocturnal activities at 24 looked a lot different than they look now. And this is a guy who I just think is going to continue to get better. It, that would be the fun wild card, I would say, going in. That would be my third story. Well, perfect start for him to beat
1: Djokovic to start a year. You know, what a kickstart for him to to, to potentially have a career year, as you think could realistically happen.
0: Yeah, not just Djokovic, but he beats Alex Zverev in the next match as well. And that was just one of those special moments. I always like to say, you know, tennis, you're on the road so frequently, right? And it's rare you get to play a match in front of a home crowd. But against Germany in that United Cup, Demon Hour representing Australia – you know, down one love. His team gets eliminated if he loses. He's playing the number six player in the world. Comes back from a setdown and beat him and was clearly the better player. Had, you know, played with more gumption, dare I say, down the home stretch. Yeah. He is playing some really good ball right now. And in front of a home crowd, it just feels like if it's ever going to fall in line, this might just be the year.
1: So I'm working my way back from three now to two to Djokovic. We shouldn't be surprised, though, should we? We shouldn't be surprised. Here, like, here's a recent example. Roger Federer at 36, 37, had that sort of late, late career resurgence. He won uh, multiple Grand Slams, sort of, what, 2017, 18 from memory. We, yeah. now, Djokovic could run the table again, couldn't he, this year? He could go
0: 27-1 or whatever all that number was that you threw out. You're absolutely right. I think it would be more likely that he does that than he falls off and has some dramatically poor season because he has been this ridiculously excellent now for 15 years and just, again, 36 year olds aren't supposed to be this good last year. He wins 90% of his matches that's happened fewer than 10 times in men's tennis <laughs> history, not just 10 times by 36 year olds. No 10 times period by any players himself included in the past. I think on two different occasions, just like you're not supposed to do that. I Look, I'm, am I the best at biology and chemistry and those things? No, that's why I talk tennis for a living now, but in my day, biology is supposed to slow you down by the time you're 36 years old. And it's been anything but for Novak Djokovic. You feel like this version of him might just beat his 25, his 22-year-old self. And just like, you're not supposed to say that about humans. So at some point, again, Mother Nature claims to be undefeated. Is she taking her first L with Djokovic? Some scholars are asking.
1: Uh, Djokovic should start pretty warm favourite for the Aussie Open, right? Um, There's only one thing more certain in the history of men's tennis than Djokovic at the Aussie Open. That's Nadal at uh, Roland Garros. Do you see anyone getting close to him in 2024
0: or is it title number 11? 11, people. 11 in Australia alone that would be. That's ridiculous. Like, I think the number is like Mm -hmm. seven people in men's tennis history have won ten majors. He's gonna win. He's going for his eleventh at one event. Just speaks to how good he's been. At I'm I appreciate how you framed it there. You're right. It's only Nadal at the French Open. That's the only thing that's better than Djokovic in Australia. Do I think Alcaraz, Medvedev, Sinner can get a set off of Djokovic? I do but I need to see someone beat him. Oh, aren't they I lucky? They get like... a set.
1: They get a little set yeah. off Novak. Yeah. A little set. <laughs> you can have a little set. Have that set. I'll take, yeah. the, I'll take number 11.
0: And even that feels a little generous. Like I'm trying to be kind here. I no listener wants to hear, Oh, it's going to be a Djokovic runaway, but that's the operative thinking until someone proves otherwise.
1: Uh, top of the pops on your list was uh, the women's game. Um, you know, positive start for a number of players as you, uh, um, have uh, outlined to us. But how does these sort of individual games sort of shake up um, and likely to handle, which we all know, pretty challenging conditions at Melbourne. There will be some stories about heat at some stage. Uh, th- that's a given. So so tell, give, give us a bit of a rundown of, of how the contenders are
0: looking uh, and how you think they will play out over the course of the fortnight of Melbourne. It's fascinating because the player who's getting no discussion right now, Naomi Osaka, who, by the way, has won Australia twice, like she's just a wild card floating in the draw somewhere. And if she plays her best tennis, <laughs> I'm still not willing to write her off. But I do think there's a clear cut top fours emerged. And yeah, I'll, you know, again, I, this is what I do. I'm going to nerd out with you a little bit here, throw some stats your way. Number four on the list would be Coco Gauff, who, of course, just won her first U.S. Open title back in September. If you watched her in Auckland last week, whatever her bicep workout was this offseason, I need to get on it ASAP. Like she is just measurably stronger and just looked so exceptional on her way to defending her title in Auckland last week. She's now twenty nine and four, twenty nine and four since the start of August last season. You know, those four losses to two top five players in Shiantak and Pagula. You have to be the best in the world right now if you want a shot at beating Coco Goff. And yet, I think she's four on the list because you look at the power tennis being played right now by last year's Australian Open finalists, whether it's Elena Rybakina, who, by the way, just beat Arena Sabalenka six love, six three, to win the Brisbane title. Savalanka, you're defending Australian Open champion. I mean, she dropped two sets in Brisbane. They happened to be in the final against the Rabacana, who was playing best tennis in the world level tennis. Like, they are both playing world number one stuff, and yet they can't be the number one contenders because I'm not convinced that Iga Mm -hmm. Shiantek isn't going to end her career as the greatest of all time. Like she is off to that good of a start already. The fourth youngest player ever to win four major titles. She enters this Australian open at the most casual 16 match win streak that no one is talking about, but it's just like, yeah, but Iga always wins 16 in a row. It's like, yeah, but she's won 16 in a (laughs) row and she's won 32 of her last 34 sets. And like, it's just, sometimes you watch her play. The stat I always turn to, and again, this is a really nerdy one, so alert to all the listeners. You might want to pull over here before you start laughing. She breaks serve 50% of the time over her last 52 weeks. 50%. Jeez. So every wow. other service game, I'm sorry, she's breaking you. Like, oh, that's, that's a huge joke. in hell, But like, yeah, it's just like mathematically you're not supposed to do that and so i just think all these players are playing so well they're all so young 25 and under things are going to get good and it could all start at this australian open alex what a treat having
1: you on the show learned so much thank you very very much uh bank some sleep my friend uh long (laughs) long well i was going to say uh days ahead it's nights into early mornings where you're going to be uh thanks so much for your time go well
0: it is my pleasure to be here. Appreciate you all having me and enjoy this Australian Open.
1: Alex Groskin joining us there. Editor-in-chief for at Cracked Rackets. Clearly knows his stuff. love the passion for the sport. Of course, I uh, got a bit of tennis to digest before that. ASB Classic, of course, and events in Australia. But uh, the Australian Open is uh, fast approaching. Just a few days away now. Can't wait for it. Wonderful time of year for New Zealand sports fans, isn't it? park up on the couch, I'll go to bed in 20 minutes. Hey Joe, I'll go to bed in 20, three and a half hours later, maybe I could do the late game. Maybe, maybe I could stay to the late game.
0: I'm struggling so to fantastic. stay up to watch the ASV uh, Classic at the moment, because <laughs> of our early starts.
1: Do you know what I've really enjo- enjoyed, and, and I can't believe I'm going to tell myself here, considering I'm a commentator, but in, in recent years you can just have the sound of the game, like you can actually stop the commentators or, or go to those feeds, just live feeds of the courts, fabulous to watch and doze. When you get to my age, 44, mate, watching sport and dozing, national pastime, isn't it? Excellent stuff. Nearly 23 minutes after seven, back after the break.